everybody. It's Allie, and welcome to our YNR chat for Sunday, March 18th, 2018. Oh, don't look so shocked, Nick. You're not the only man in town with a massive tool belt. <laughs> Oh, I would say that Wednesday cliffhanger is a really good jumping off point for a poll question this week. Nikki and Arturo, are you feeling the heat? <laughs> Whyrchat.com if you want to cast your vote and weigh in on this new couple. Look, I honestly am happy for Nikki. If this is what she wants, she seems like she is really thrilled and having a very, very good time. I got a chuckle when Nikki comes up to the athletic club suite that she has booked for them to have a little rendezvous. And it seemed like it was kind of an impromptu rendezvous. She just slipped him a key card while they were working out at the athletic club gym. And Arturo comes upstairs. He's freshly showered. Nikki gets to walk into the suite and she has this like fresh, clean, probably good smelling young man waiting for her. He's just standing there in it, nothing but a towel around his waist. And she just comes up to him and they embrace and the camera pulls away from them and shoots like shows us a frame of the bed where Arturo or Nikki has tossed his towel. So I really enjoyed the picture that was in my mind of Nikki standing there in her blazer holding this naked young man. (laughs) It was, I mean, it was a little bit fun. It was scandalous though. I mean, we are definitely entering into scandalous territory and I am curious to see how you guys reacted to it. I mean, I do think that there are a couple of things that are a little off about this. And it honestly, for me, doesn't have anything to do with the age difference. The thing that's throwing me off the most right off the top is the fact that... I guess I got the impression that Nikki wasn't that into Arturo. Remember, we really only saw them together one time, and then the very next day, we saw Nikki dodging his phone calls. So I guess I got the impression that she did it once, and she wasn't interested in doing it again. And and the other thing, though, is that Arturo seems way into it. Like, I'm imagining that Nikki was not into it and here we have this total flip situation where Arturo is looking at Nikki like she's a midnight snack (laughs) that he cannot get enough of so it's I guess it's a little bit jarring to have thought that the story was going to be one thing and now all of a sudden it's developed into something else the other weird thing (laughs) that I can't stop thinking about is does Victor know that this is going on? I think I I keep wanting to assume no, but Nikki and Arturo are sneaking around at the athletic club a couple of times this week, and one of those times they ran into Victor in the foyer, and of course, Nikki and Arturo are pretending to, you know, really have a a completely professional business relationship, but Victor (laughs) made this hilarious 
comment where Nikki's saying, oh, this is Arturo, the, the contractor who's doing the work for Rainbow Gardens. And Victor says, oh, yes, Arturo, uh, I've heard about you. You seem to be doing a good job for my wife. <laughs> Oh, Victor, you have no idea. You have no idea what a good job Arturo is doing for Nikki. Or do you? I don't know. Like, I just felt like that line, first of all, deserved a spit take. <laughs> it deserved like a or something going on in the background. But I just thought, okay, well, is there any chance he is on to this? What conversations have Nikki and Victor had about their open relationship? Because if Victor doesn't know what's going on, then isn't it super deceitful of Nikki? Like, I, okay, I, I, again, I completely understand that Victor and Nikki have an unconventional marriage arrangement that has been established. But I want to know, does, like, does that arrangement include seeing other people? I mean, maybe it does. Nikki did mention to Victor that he should go ahead and pursue Ashley so maybe she was trying to tell him in a very nice way that she was intending to pursue other people but I'm not sure if Victor is hip to that or not and I mean, say what you will about what a jerk Victor would be to be married to, and I am not arguing that. You will get no uh, argument from me whatsoever about how difficult it, it would be to marry that man. She's been through a lot with him. She's put up with way more from him than any other woman on the planet probably would have, but I don't ever recall in all of the years of my watching the show, Victor blatantly cheating on Nikki in like a repeated way like I don't ever remember Victor having an ongoing affair secretly with someone while they were married to you <sighs> I don't know it's a slippery slope <laughs> really slippery slope and I don't want anybody to get hurt I don't want Nikki or Arturo or Victor to get hurt I just wish it was maybe a little more open and transparent so that uh, so that that wouldn't happen and the thing is <laughs> like before uh, Arturo even got there when they had that little run in in the foyer of the athletic club, Victor seemed really into Nikki. There was a moment where he was commenting about how good she looked and the fact that she's been working out and she's positively glowing and it really agrees with her. And I don't know, I, I, I kind of got the impression that Victor wished that they were on the slow road back to getting together. And if that's the case. If that's where his mind frame is, I just feel a little sad for him. Plus, Nikki's not exactly being discreet <laughs> about all of this. She's having an affair at the club where the entire family belongs. I mean, every one of the Newmans, all of her friends, everybody she knows goes to the athletic club on a regular basis. And here she thinks she's being sneaky, having this affair. And she's actually not even doing that good of a job at it. She can't even wait to get into the private suite that she has booked before she and Arturo, before she starts making out with him. Like, they're starting the party 
out in the hallway and poor Nicholas just so happens to get a big old eyeful of what his mom is doing with his little buddy Arturo. And that's the other weird thing about this story. I kind of wonder... If maybe YNR did some screen testing or just was testing us with this first set of Nikki and Arturo and then went away and retooled a few things and brought it back because I'm a, a little off put by the fact that Nick and Arturo are suddenly friends. When we saw them together last, Nick and Arturo hated each other and then Arturo disappeared for a couple of weeks and now he's back and it's like, I don't know, I feel like Nick's this like high school boy finding out that, oh my gosh, one of his buds is sleeping with his mom while his dad's out of town. Hey, at least this gives Nick some leverage to get Nikki to back off of his blooming relationship with Sharon. Ladies and gentlemen, the sexy hijinks have already begun at Sharon's cottage house. What do you know? Practically as soon as Nick moves in, the furnace breaks. The house is free. Freezing. Sharon was probably down in the basement whacking the furnace with a wrench, trying to get it to break just so that Nick could be a manly man and come to the rescue and fix it. But it was really funny on, on Wednesday's show, the way Nick comes downstairs in the morning in his tank top and Sharon standing in the kitchen in a hat and gloves. And Nick says, is it a little cold in here? <laughs> it did. It was almost identical to what we talked about last week about the sexy hijinks. Like, you know, Nick's going to come downstairs without a shirt and Sharon's going to be drooling or something. It was very similar to that. But Nick, uh, he's he's got all of this experience with running Rainbow Gardens. So now he's, he's able to be a Mr. Fix-It. So he saves the day. He goes downstairs. He presses the reset button on the furnace, who knew? And Sharon was so impressed. I mean, what a man, right? Nicholas Newman, you can still bring Sharon the heat. <laughs> I thought it was adorable. I really like Nick and Sharon together. I hope that when it comes to Nick and Sharon, we're on a slow road back to together. And if this is the kind of hijinks that we're going to get with them living together, I'm coming around to being okay with it. I mean, we got to take it as fans, as a word to the wise. Arturo isn't the only man who knows where the reset button is located. Consider me shocked. Genuinely, truly, fully shocked. I never would have guessed at this time last week or at any time in the past that Devon would have agreed to Hillary's proposal. He has apparently 
taken some time to think about his future, to think about what he wants, what he doesn't want, and he agrees to give Hillary what she wants, to give Hillary what she asked for, a sperm deposit. I just didn't see it coming, especially based on the reaction that he had when she brought it up in the first place. I just thought, oh, well, that idea is kaput. There's no way they're going to go forward with this. And YNR is going forward with this. It's such an unconventional storyline. You have to give it that. It is original. I don't think that we've really seen anything quite like this. We've always had stories about the woman wanting to be, have the man's child, and typically she just would have gone and stolen the sperm. What a unique twist that the woman just straight up asks for the sperm and the man gives it to her it's just it's 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 bizarre but of course it has this one condition attached to it devon has one condition attached to it that we know will probably never happen in reality um devon and hillary will be co-parenting but they will absolutely not under any circumstances be getting involved in a relationship yeah right (laughs) uh as Mariah said so aptly when she found out about this arrangement, that's a total lie. Go ahead, Hillary and Devon, think. Go ahead, think that. Feel that. Feel like you guys are not going to be right back in each other's arms in a matter of months, but it's not the reality. In soap opera world, We all know that this is going to lead to Hillary and Devon's reunion, and I'm all for that. I really like Hillary and Devon. There is a magic between these two actors that I pick up on, that I'm a fan of, that makes me want to root for them independently and makes me want to root for them getting back together. I also am thinking about this story in terms of, well, what if it were reality? What if this is something that was actually going on? And I can't help but think that it's a really dangerous idea in reality, mostly because Devon and Hillary are starting out this really major thing with being not on the same page about a very important point. Hillary, two weeks ago, was declaring her unending love for Devon, her desire for Devon. She stood there in his office, unburdening herself for the first time, telling him how much she actually does think about him and care about him and how much of a role he plays in the future that she sees for herself. And then on the other side, we have Devon being very, very clear that he does not want that with Hillary. He does not want a relationship with her. And if I'm supposed to take that at face value, then if this were reality, this would be kind of a bad idea. I would worry that this arrangement would not be healthy for either of them because raising a child... It's already so hard and so complex, and it doesn't 
really matter how business-minded Hillary and Devon are about it, how airtight the contract is that Michael's going to draw up for them, the complexity of their relationship, the history that these two people share is going to be a factor. There is no way of writing a clause in a contract to get around that. So that's why when Lily hit the roof (laughs) upon finding out about this arrangement, like, I get that it's none of Lily's business. Like, 100% totally, it's none of Lily's business. But in reality, I'm putting myself in her shoes, and if Devon were my brother, or even just my friend, I would probably be trying to talk him out of this, too. (laughs) I would at least want to get my two cents in to be able to say, are you sure? (laughs) This is such a good idea. There are other ways that you could impact a young life. There's fostering. There's adoption. Why enter into this weird, weird arrangement with your (laughs) ex-wife? Oh. The thing is, though, Lily nagging at him and nagging at him and nagging at him for the next uh, who knows how many weeks and months is not about to change her mind. If Lily pushes him too hard, not only is he going to, of course, go through with this idea, but he's going to end up back in Hillary's arms, too, which is okay with me, but I'm just trying to coach Lily along through this. I mean, Lily, plenty of people tried to warn you about getting involved with Kane. Plenty of people tried to stop you from getting involved with Kane, pleaded with you to just dump Kane, and it was especially Devon. Many, many, many times Devon tried to convince Lily not to stay married to Kane. He wanted, he said, you need to leave this man many times over the years. And did that keep Lily and Kane apart? No. No. It, it would never work. So... Yeah, I think that this is a losing battle for Lily. And and plus now she's got this job that's folded into it. She can't really continue to harp on Devon for his life decisions when he is his when when she, when he is her brother, but he's also now her boss. So that creates an extra level of complexity there that may convince her to pull herself back. But Lily's not the only Winters family member who could potentially have a problem with this because when Lily was talking to Devon about fostering a child or adopting a child as an alternative to this idea, it made me think, how is Neil's return going to factor into all of this? Because I did read an article that Christoph St. John is coming back. I think that YNR is trying to work with him right now to uh, fold him back into the story, so I'm going to imagine that we'll be seeing him maybe within the coming month or two, and if that's the case, first of all, excellent. I cannot wait to see Neil again. Like, I want to see his face. I want to see what his demeanor's going to be like, and there's also the factor that Neil 
is not Devon's biological father. And yet Neil went on to be the single biggest positive impact on Devon's life. So I wonder if Neil will come back and try to give Devon that perspective. Will he even, will the timing even work out for that? Will Neil be back in time to put in his two cents? Or will our next generation bundle of joy already be on the way by then? I don't know. And I also have to say, when Neil does return, where is his office going to be? Because Devon Hamilton is a billionaire. He has like as much money as Victor. Why can't he afford more than one office? (laughs) Why is he trying to cram all of these people into this one little office? It makes me nuts that Tess is working out of that office. Plus Hillary, now Lily, even though he moved back the wall. And and, and himself, and then Neil, and then you've got uh, poor intern Charlie, who's going to be coming in and out of there. I, I laugh out loud when Charlie found out that his mom was coming to work at Hamilton Winters and he was understandably bummed out about it because his cool job went from being cool to like a downer (laughs) in a matter of minutes because his mom was going to be roaming the halls and then uh, uh, Maddie reminded him that with, with Lily starting a modeling agency, a modeling agency means there will be models at the office and his little eyes lit up at that idea that was adorable hey by the way uh so no more shauna what happened to that like was that literally just a one week plot device to push hillary and devon together and if so mission accomplished Victor confronts Victoria about all of the evidence Abby has provided to him about Victoria's collusion with Jack. I really thought that Victor already knew about that. I was completely convinced, but apparently not. Apparently, he was surprised to learn what his daughter was up to, and probably, it seems, because he didn't really want to believe that she would go through with something like that. But when confronted, she readily admits, yes, I was working with Jack. I didn't, you know, I, I, I did it because I still think that Ashley is a threat to our company, and I did it. Yes, I did it. Victor was really, really unhappy with Victoria. He immediately calls Ashley. Remember, he's fired her for something that she didn't actually do. So he calls Ashley and begs her to come back to the company. Just, I'm sorry, you're not going to have to deal with Victoria anymore. I made a mistake. Uh, come, come back to the company and we'll make it better. But Ashley is playing hardball. Ashley is here to play hard. She tells Victor that she would not even consider coming back to Newman Enterprises unless he fires Victoria, unless he fires his own daughter, his right hand, the person who's been there at Newman more than any of his other children and probably longer than any of his other executives. 
Victor doesn't want to do that. He didn't jump at the opportunity to his credit. I mean, this is obviously something he doesn't want to do, so he tries to find a way around it. Victor literally drags Victoria practically by her ear over to Ashley's house to force Victoria to apologize to her. Didn't something about that just seem so, so juvenile like again it's 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 youth antics going on here and of course it didn't work victoria did her very best to apologize knowing that victor's standing right there behind her but ashley can see that it's not fully genuine victoria isn't really sorry for what she did she probably still thinks she was completely justified and is more sorry that she got caught. So Victor is still left grappling with Ashley's ultimatum that she has thrown down. Either fire Victoria or I'm not coming back to the company. I am just shocked that Ashley would think that would work at all and that Victor was really even considering it. How? How? Could Victor even consider keeping Ashley over Victoria? He was talking to Nikki about it midweek and weighing the pros and cons. Like, it's essentially a choice. Who does he want to pick, Victoria or Ashley? And he said out loud that he feels Victoria is the better executive. She's the bigger asset to the company. But Ashley has proven herself to be more loyal, False! False! How can you even think that? Victoria has been Victor's most loyal soldier over the years. How many times has Victoria forgiven the sick, twisted, vindictive things that Victor Newman has been caught doing And now he would, because of one incident, consider Victoria disloyal? That drives me nuts. I think that's kind of a a weakness of this whole storyline right here. But, I mean, the fact remains, he is left with this choice, Victoria or Ashley, and he actually ends up taking a suggestion from Nikki, which is to, in a way, let Victoria choose her own punishment. He calls Victoria into his office and says, here's your choice. You can either get fired or you can take a demotion And you can take a lesser position here at the company. You'll no longer be COO. (sighs) I just think, I just can't believe, I just cannot believe that Victor is, that that he would do this. I mean, I, I, what do you ultimately think that Victoria will do? What do you think she'll choose? I, I, I think it would be mortifying for her to take a demotion to walk these halls. I mean, you know her ego to now walk the halls as a demoted employee. She has not only been the COO, but she's also the boss's daughter. How can you imagine what it's going to be like for her? 
her to show her face in the break room. Uh, and, and I mean, she already has, it's going to compound the feelings that she already has that everybody hates her. It's, it's going to be really, really hard on Victoria, but it's also going to be way more dramatic that way. I cannot imagine that if she did quit the company or allow herself to get fired or whatever, that she would have any place to go. The only other place for her to go would be to go to Jabot. I mean, that's certainly a possibility, but I think that it's going to be, I guess if I had to guess, and this is purely a guess, I think it would probably create more drama if she were to eat humble pie and stay at Newman Enterprises, but that means she would be working under Ashley and Abby, and both of those women want to eat her alive. I don't know. Maybe going to Jabot would be better <laughs> for her. She seems to have a decent working relationship with Jack. That would make a, an interesting, f you know, flip of the dynamic with the Abbots and the Newmans working together against each other in a way. Or, I mean, I don't know, though. Maybe it, it's, it's either going to be that. Either Victoria is going to pick herself up and go to war with Jack, or she is going to get served some karma working under Abby and Ashley, and I think that would drum up some sympathy for her where the fans are concerned. I'm just so very surprised that Victor would let his pet, Victoria, fall out of favor with him so easily. Even if she did collude with Jack, how many times did Adam do the exact same thing and Victor was still begging him to come back to the company? It's, I mean, I think that in a way... Victoria kind of does understand Abby's position, for instance, where it's like you're always being looked over for the favored child. If Adam were still alive or if Nick was interested in the company, they would be the COOs and Victoria would be shuffled to the side. Victoria has eaten Victor's, he's, she's eaten everything he served up for years and years and years. And for him to turn around and say that she's just loyal just drives me nuts. In so many ways, Victoria and Abby kind of are in a similar situation and Victor's never been fair he's never been fair to either of his daughters including Victoria including Abby and I thought it was really nice to see Abby standing up to Victor this week and being honest about her feelings that she's become the lesser Newman that's something that Victoria never really did Ugh, I don't know can you imagine Abby and Ashley working together at Newman Enterprises, that would be a major power block against Victoria. So maybe she would just go to, maybe she would just go to Chabot. I'm not sure. Um, and if that's the case, too, Ashley's preparing still to sue Jabot. As soon as Victor fired her, she was threatening to sue him. She was threatening to sue Jack. She is sue happy. Like a couple of months ago, Ashley was uh, secret board meeting happy, and now she's sue happy. It's just, I guess, it's just the way she operates. Uh, but uh, is she? I'm, if she does end up taking Victor's position. I mean, either way, Ashley wins here. And if she ends up taking Victor's position, then she's probably not going to sue him. But I do think she would continue to sue Jack and to sue Jabot. Um, and if that's the case, then what's the dynamic going to be like at Jabot? We did learn a little bit of casting news a couple weeks ago, and I don't think I mentioned it, that... 
Kyle has been cast. We were predicting it. It was a little bit obvious, but they actually did cast an actor. His name is Michael Milor. I didn't know him. I haven't seen him, but you can certainly Google him. He's a nice looking guy. I think I am kind of getting a Kyle vibe just from his look. So if I mean, either way, no matter where Victoria lands, we're going to have some kind of dynamic going on at Jabot. If Kyle is back, how's he going to play into the family business? How's he going to play into this family drama. Is he going to end up being an ally for Jack? I don't think so. I got a feeling when Kyle comes back, Jack's going to have a whole new enemy. Victoria's life is about to go from sad to sadder because Victor takes it upon himself to inform JT that Victoria has not only been lying to her father, but she's been lying to him too. She used JT as part of her plan to frame Ashley and all of this, as JT is learning it, is playing right into his feelings of insecurity that he already had in this weird relationship. He feels like and has said Victoria doesn't respect him enough to be honest or maybe even enough to involve him and all all of this is just validating the feelings that he already had. There was this creepy scene where JT is sitting at Victoria's house in the dark, in a chair, just brooding. Even a, He was even a little bit drunk. And he's just sitting in the chair looking angry and looking at the door and waiting for her to come home and probably circling around in his head all of the things that he's going to say to her and just lay into her. And when she does get home, <laughs> you can tell she doesn't really know what to say. She wants to reassure him, but he is really, really angry and to me it seemed like he was taking everything that he had to just keep as much of it as he could on the inside and it was scary because did you guys think what is this guy gonna do is it like was I the only one who was nervous that he was going to lash out violently maybe not even at her directly but I was afraid maybe he was going to throw something JT is always a boiling cauldron of anger just waiting to bubble up and over. Thankfully, he did not do that, but it was still sad nonetheless. Victoria, again, can't really say anything to make it better, so she's just begging him to forgive her, literally begging him, looking at him with these big blue watery eyes. And the way the scene was set up spoke a lot to the power dynamic in their relationship. JT is just sitting on this little, you know, bench chair and she is on the floor, but, you know, beneath him, kind of like on her knees, looking up, begging him to forgive her. And it just said everything in that scene, it just said everything right there the way that it was blocked the way that it was positioned and she just says to him are you going to leave me over this and he looks at her and he says what do you think and then he disappears and doesn't show up at work the next day what do you think what the hell does that mean what the hell does that mean 
he just said something without saying anything. It just felt cruel. You know, if, you, if you're going to leave her, then say you're going to leave her. If you're not going to leave her, then reassure her. He just left it hanging in the air. I felt bad for her, especially because you know he's going to come crawling back next week. He will come crawling back. But we all know that he's still working for Paul and Christine. He probably has to come crawling back. Or maybe he feels like he has to come crawling back. He still shares a child with Victoria. And it's, I just, I, I, I'm trying so hard to understand JT, to understand what he's going to do, to understand what he's even doing at all. Is he going to end up taking this information about Victoria to Paul and Christine about the Victoria's attempted frame job? Like, if he can't bring them dirt on Victor, then he's going to try to bring them some dirt on Victoria? And what kind of dirt is he looking for anyway? This week, we had a scene where he was snooping around in Victor's office. He finds nothing, but it's been a month of him finding nothing. I just, I think this whole ruse is going on for way too long, and I don't get it. I don't get it. I think that is time for JT to either prove that there is a legitimate, legal impropriety that is going on with Victor and his company, or JT needs to be a man and tell Paul and Christine that he is not going to be their stool pigeon. Like, I, 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 I don't want to strip away JT's humanity in all of this because his actions have been very confusing to me, but he's a human and I want to understand why he's doing what he's doing. And I just keep thinking that at his core, somehow, some way, JT is going to be revealed to be a good person, yet maybe whatever is going on with him medically, compounded by this ridiculous spy job that he's got himself caught up in, maybe it's just turning him into the kind of person that I know he doesn't want to be. Flashback to a much simpler time. Dina is the belle of the winter ball. She is merely a teenager dressing for the biggest dance of the year. She is waiting for her beau to arrive, waiting for John Abbott to arrive to pick her up, take her to the dance, marvel in her beauty, have a wonderful romantic evening with him. And I so wish that were true because the reality is almost too much to bear. In reality, Dina has lipstick smeared all around her beautiful face, on her eyes, on her cheeks. She is elderly. She is suffering, suffering from Alzheimer's. And her beloved John has passed away years ago. I don't even know what that must feel like for her family, because in that moment, Dina was happy. 
but the family knows that it is actually tragedy. Ashley and Abby and Tracy, who is coming back onto our screens a lot lately, and I'm very grateful for. I really like that she's become more of a regular. But the three girls made a very conscious decision to let Dina have this fantasy. And they stand there pretending to be her friends, her maids. <laughs> and they support her as in her mind she is waiting and preparing for this dance. They allow Dina to have this moment of joy and this moment of anticipation. And there was a beautiful scene where Ashley offers to give Dina's makeup a touch-up. And Ashley just takes a makeup wipe and she's tenderly wiping the lipstick smears away and they're talking as if they're friends, as if they're girlfriends and the context of what's going on is so much deeper and so much richer and there's so much more history there and Ashley says to her as she's wiping away the lipstick on her cheeks and on her face Ashley says you know you used to do this for me when I was younger fixing my makeup and it made me feel pretty and it made me feel good and Dina said I like that you know it was a conscious decision to make Dina feel good. And in that way, it was a victory. It was a small and unexpected victory that Dina felt good. And it was an, it was an interesting, um, you know, that moment between Ashley and Dina also became an interesting role reversal. We talked last week of Jack's comment saying that was with Alzheimer's, there is this role reversal of the child becoming the parent. And that's that was very apparent in that scene between the children and Dina. I it, it was making me nervous because Dina thinks that John is on his way. She thinks she's on her way to this dance and she starts to become concerned that John hasn't arrived. And we as the audience and Ashley and Tracy and Abby know that John is not coming. And thankfully, Victor shows up at the door just as Gina is starting to get worried and I'm starting to think how are the Abbots going to get out of this Victor stands there at the door Dina's looking at him Ashley's standing behind Dina she gives Victor the just go along with it gesture and Victor just goes along with it in the most wonderful way Victor immediately understands the situation. He immediately is able to pick up on what's going on. And he just willingly and wholeheartedly embraces the fantasy. And in fact, goes out of his way to make the fantasy the best that it can possibly be. And I don't think he did it just for Ashley. I think he did it also for his old friend Dina. Victor has an independent relationship with Dina that there's a lot of history there. And I think that I would like to think that Victor did it 
for her as well. Um, Victor informs Dina that John, he's, oh, he can't make it. He's working on a school project and you know he needs to get good grades so that he can get a good job and provide for the girl of his choice. (sighs) And Victor tells her that John has sent him in his place and he wants to make it a magical evening for her and he does. Victor chariots Dina off to the top of the tower which she thinks is um, I guess like the school gymnasium or wherever the dance is taking place and he offers her this lovely corsage just making her feel good making her feel like she's the most beautiful girl at the dance her favorite flowers you know a handsome man she is just in her her element in her mind, and Victor and Dina just dance sweetly in each other's arms as Dina imagines herself young and in love again, and, and you know, there are worse places to be. There are worse things to think. And Ashley and Tracy are just sitting at a table off in the corner looking on at Dina doing everything that they can do to enjoy this painfully beautiful moment of tragic happiness. I didn't come here for the sea bass, Victor. (laughs) Last week, Ashley stomped into the athletic club, interrupted Victor at his table to confront him about what his little passive-aggressive comment was, uh, uh, implying that she was being disloyal to Newman Enterprises, and he tells her to sit down, have some lunch, and she says, I didn't come here for the sea bass, Victor. (laughs) I don't know why that comment made me laugh, but it did. And apparently a couple of you guys caught it, too. So congratulations T. Nicole, Henry, Angela, Anna, Aaron, and Jamie. You guys uh, must have got a kick out of that moment, too. Here's another quote for you this week. We'll see if you know who said it. Gotta love those endorphins, huh? (laughs) Gotta love those endorphins, huh? If you think you know who said it, you can go to yrchat.com to leave your guess. And if you get it right, I will give you your congratulations on next week's YNR Chat. Last week, we had a Dina-centric poll question. I asked you guys what type of story you would like to see for Dina in the future, because we are at this point of quickening, in a way, and uh, Dina has obviously been a very popular character, and yet we are in the middle of her rapid decline. And so if you were the writers, what do you do with this story now that you've started it? Um, 36% of you said that you would like to see a a miracle cure or a significant improvement for Dina, and that was the majority vote. Most people just kind of want this to get better. Um, That was 36%, but at 32%, uh, uh, there was quite a few people saying that they they were okay having more coping with Alzheimer's story, that what's happening here uh, is enough to sink your teeth into, to tell a beautiful story, and and just we need to accept where we are. Um, We also had 25% of you saying maybe it's time to just say goodbye to Dina. 
And we had 7% of you coming in with an other vote. Um, I thought I'd read some comments, including um, your other ideas for what you'd like to see for this story. Laura says, I would like for Dina's condition to stabilize, not get worse. And I'd like to see her have some good days and some bad days. On her good days, I wish she could be bold and mischievous. When women get to a certain age, they get like too old for this. It would be fun to have her fill that role and call people out when required. Mary Ann says, I want the character to be moved to a medical facility or for care or for treatment. By not killing her off, the show maybe can go the improvement route if the writers later learn of improvements or treatments from research charities or organizations that deal with the disease. The actress's availability could dictate how often Dina is on screen and future storylines. Tina Cole says this was a tough vote, but I voted more coping with Alzheimer's. I feel a miracle cure is not something I would like to see because it isn't realistic. And I'd like to see how raw and emotional this disease can be. However, I don't want to say goodbye to Dina yet. So that leaves coping with the disease. I do agree uh, with others that it could slow down or we could see Dina in a medical facility. There's just no going back once you start an Alzheimer's storyline. Angela says, I think YNR should slow down the Alzheimer's story so that the character could remain on YNR for a long while. I enjoy the actress, uh, but eventually the character will die from Alzheimer's. I, I do um, like the idea of slowing down Dina's Alzheimer's. I think that would be a legitimate path to making the fans happy who like to see Dina and also remaining true to how the disease actually is. And we certainly don't want to disrespect anyone who's going through this by saying, ah, miracle cure, she's all of a sudden better. You know, I mean, Weiner's done that in the past, for instance, with like Sharon's bipolar. I mean, they do kind of take people and or or Nikki's MS or Victor's epilepsy. We've seen them do that in the past and it's a very big eye roll. And knowing that Mal Young has been through this with his own mother, I can't see him taking that path. So, uh, so certainly, I think maybe slowing it down would be a good uh, middle way. Anna says, I wish the writers never painted Dina into a corner with the storyline. I realized that he was using it as an outlet to tell us about some of his experiences, but I wish he would have used an alternate ending like Graham was giving her medicine that mimicked the symptoms. Now I'm afraid there's nothing left to be done but to say goodbye. Kara says, I feel like the writers have ruined this entire storyline with Dina. I don't want to see her go, but they've torn this storyline up. It's so choppy and random. I get that Alzheimer's is very cruel and unpredictable, but the story is really hard to follow. They're grasping, and they just need to put an end to it with what dignity they can. Oh, I think a lot of people were very touched by uh, Dina's story this week. It was almost like a little story within itself, right? I mean, it requires no further follow-up. It's just a little, almost like a little vignette on its own. Becca says, after watching Monday's episode of Victor Dancing with Dina, I'm reminded for a moment why I love this character. The writers make it so easy to dislike Victor these days, constantly building stories around his immoral acts. However, I really appreciate 
appreciated being able to see the side of Victor for once. Yes, Becca, I did get a lot of comments from people this week saying, hey, I was surprisingly happy with Victor this week. How often can we say that? Gary left a voicemail saying John and Dina seem like such a cosmo like seem like such cosmopolitan sophisticates that it's hard to imagine that they got married having been high school sweethearts, which is what Dina's implying, and I'm assuming she's remembering something from her past instead of making it up. But I just can't see that the Abbots began with Dina and John as high school sweethearts. I would think they must have met each other in the boardroom or somewhere after college. I'm really glad that you mentioned this. Gary, because I was wondering the same. Is this, and I don't know if we'll ever know, was this fantasy that Dina was having based on reality, or is this something that she, that's a, a jumble of both? Were Dina and John high school sweethearts? I never picked up on that, never realized that that was the case from the continuity, and I don't know if we really ever will know. Uh, Gary also says, I cannot imagine the Academy not honoring Marla Adams for her performance in the situation her character is in. Yes, absolutely. I'm not sure when those Emmys are, but I think this is Emmy material for her, no doubt. Oh, let's switch gears a little bit here and talk about Devon and Hillary. Superplex had a good singer here saying, every male resident must make a deposit at the Genoa City Sperm Bank. <laughs> I kind of wonder, Superplex, if maybe when you have to open a local bank account like at GC Trust, at the GC Trust Bank, uh, if, I wonder if you also side by side have to open a, sp- a sperm bank account too. Like it's in it's in the Wisconsin bylaws or something weird like that. (laughs) T. Nicole says, you know, we can have all our opinions about Hillary and Devon having a baby together, but Lily needs to recognize that Devon is a grown man and just let him make his own decisions about his life. I don't recall Devon telling Lily she shouldn't be with Kane or being as cruel when it comes to Kane with all the mistakes he's made compared to how Lily treats Hillary. Please, Lily, don't interfere and let us see Hillary and Devon get together. This viewer has been waiting patiently for that to happen. I do remember Devon uh, trying to convince Lily not to uh, get together with Kane, but you do make a point that it was never quite as vicious and specific in the way that Lily is toward Hillary. Um, she, She definitely has a distaste in her mouth. I thought it was funny, though, when those flowers arrived at the office and Hillary thought they were for her. And then Lily realizes, oh, they're from Kane. And she goes to grab them and she kind of whacks Hillary in the face with one of the flowers. The positive thing about them all being crammed into that office together is at least there could probably be some hijinks uh, between Lily and Hillary. But yeah, I think it's in Lily's best interest probably to just zip her lip. However, that doesn't necessarily make for the best drama. Kara says, I hope that Lily is going to shake things up for once. Her character was so bland during this Kane and Juliet scandal. She hardly even raised her voice at Kane for knocking up another woman. But this baby that Devon and Hillary are planning to create, I think this could get Lily worked up enough to have a fantastic storyline. I hope the writers make this a huge thing. I'd like to see her do something totally crazy like switch Devon's sperm or something outside of the normal good girl character. I'd love to see her act more like her mother, Drew. 
It did also occur to me, Kara, that Lily could get in there and switch that sperm. When she sort of started backing off of, like, realizing that she was not going to get anywhere with Devon and it was working in her, uh, not in her best interest to do so, it did also occur to me, like, ooh, is Lily going to do something to disrupt this process? Is Lily going to pull a sperm switcheroo of her own? I don't know. I don't know where they're going with this, but I'm in for it either way. Um, let's talk about, uh, Nick and Sharon here. Also, I didn't mention this, um, in the chat, but Zuperplex had commented about the unknown woman from the crisis shelter who was found dead. The police showed up at Sharon's house this week. Side note, Sharon's house never had that, like, foyer thing before. I think that they got rid of the exterior of Sharon's front door. Like, remember, she used to have the open porch and all the trees, and it was gorgeous, and now it seems like she's got this enclosure closed lattice work porch or something. I didn't like it, but I'm sure that they've just got to make room for other sets. They're working with a limited amount of space, probably. Maybe Sharon lost the porch so that Lily could gain an office. I don't know. Uh, Gary, though, said something that I hadn't thought of in the fact that maybe this unknown woman from the crisis shelter who was found with Sharon's uh, business card in her pocket, but no other identifying information could possibly be Kathy Chancellor, Ali's alter ego, D-O-A. I didn't even think about that being old Kathy Chancellor. That's sad, though, because she has children and everything. Um, I wonder if YNR would have Sharon go identify the body and if they would bring that back around at all, or if it was purely just to get Nick and Sharon talking about Rainbow Gardens. And and, and Sharon did convince Nick to try to open up some more of these low-income housing locations. I don't know how much of that we're going to see. It also was something that Nick was supposed to talk to Nikki about. That's why he went to the hotel to try to find her and talk to her. He he got off track when he saw her making out with Arturo, but he was supposed to be talking to her about these these low-income housing units. I don't know if that's at all going to play in here, or if it was purely just to send Nick on a reason to talk to Nikki, but um, yeah, we'll find out. Jamie says... I guess that the Nikki and Arturo not fans won't be happy this week, but I'll be honest, I'm not hating it. It's kind of one of those role reversals. Like, if it was a man, nobody would even think twice. But since it's an older woman and a young man, I'm like, you go, girl, because Nikki and Victor are basically a political marriage right now, so I don't feel like it's that bad. Political marriage is a very good way to describe Nikki and Victor. It really is almost just like they're they're purely there for appearances only. I'm just not sure that Victor feels that way. Nikki and Victor need to have an actual conversation and I need to see it because I'm okay to get on board with Nikki enjoying herself. There's nothing wrong with that. But I want to know that there's some honesty in the air at least. And I don't feel like I've been given that yet. But we'll see next week. I have a feeling that maybe that's going to be a front burner story next week. I don't know. Just guessing. 
Uh, Tina Cole says, I think that Victor has been placed in a difficult decision from Victoria's actions. Does he do what Ashley wants and fire his daughter, but he doesn't want to ruin the relationship he has with Victoria? I think that's why he never looked for the evidence Abby could so easily provide. Victor doesn't want to fire Victoria because if it was that simple for him, he would have done it already. Look how quick and easy he can disown Nick as a son. Yep, I think that is exactly right. Rose says Ashley can't sue Jack for defamation. He's had another company's documents in a drawer. That's not even close to defamation. I hope Ashley's attorney tells her that she's just making up nonsensical legal claims at this point. (laughs) Diana says, I'm so glad. I'm so glad Ashley is suing Newman as it gives her a chance to meet with her lawyer, Tony. I would really love to see a romantic relationship develop between them. I was hoping that YNR would give us a reason to bring him back on the show. I'm excited to see where that could lead. Ellen says, so looks like Victor's going to make Abby COO. Victoria will have to report to her. Ashley will come back and report to Victor like before. I just hope that Abby isn't as rotten of a boss as Victoria was. How about some leadership? Come on, Abby, show her how it's done. That is true. It is going to be a little bit sad if Victoria goes back to work and is treated the way that she treated others. I mean, I suppose that could be a learning experience, but the better way, I would think, to get someone to learn that lesson would be to treat them the way that you would want to be treated, to live live by example. The golden rule. Uh, Diana says, I'm loving the fight that Abby is giving to Victoria. I appreciate that the writers are having Abby be a strong woman who can show Victoria that she won't be walked over and made to feel inferior. I used to feel sorry for Abby when Victoria would make her feel as if she was second fiddle to their father at Newman. I also haven't forgotten how Victoria tried to throw Abby under the bus regarding the incubator project with Zach. At the same time, Diana says, I like seeing Victoria be so vulnerable for a change. This is a side of Victoria we never see. It makes Victoria's character a lot more likable to me. Um, T. Nicole says, when we saw that shot of JT sitting in the dark waiting for Victoria to come home, my first thought was, he looks dangerous. It could be because Victoria was in a toxic relationship with JT, and it appears that it isn't getting, that it's getting worse and worse. I did feel for Ashley and Victor with the aftermath for what Victoria did, but I just couldn't find any sympathy for JT being lied to. I actually felt more for Victoria seeing her all teary-eyed trying to talk to him. Yes, Marianne says, I wonder if the writers are currently struggling with how to end JT and Victoria in case the character is not in for the long run. I can't tell if he's going to be a future domestic physical verbal abuser, local womanizer, or future keeper of secrets for extortion from local citizens, drug dealer, user, or assault murder victim. I don't think JT will have a happy ending regardless. I never found uh, Mac that interesting, but I do think that during the March 26th week, we'll want to hear what Mac has to say about JT. Uh, Marianne, you know, I think you kind of hit on what you hit on there is the fact that we don't know who JT is. We straight up don't know who JT is. And uh, I'm really curious to know what Mac's going to say about him. Not because I really care that much about this, this Mac, but just 
more, I need some resolution on what's going on with JT. Marianne is like my roving YNR reporter. Um, I, I, I never end up seeing the news of like what's happening, uh, what's happening and when, but uh, Marianne uh, sent me a link to an article that Apparently, what we're doing for the 45th anniversary YNR celebration is going to be based around a party for the centennial of Walnut Grove Academy. And that's what's going to bring the characters together for our big 45th anniversary bash. That kind of ties in a little bit to to Dina's um, uh, episode this week. I wonder if she was she going to Walnut Grove and then we've got all these other people coming back for that that are associated with Walnut Grove. Um, that's that's definitely going to be interesting. I think that's a good way to tie it in. And apparently that's going to be the week of March 26th. So maybe that's starting at the end of, um, or the beginning of next week. Not this upcoming one. Oh, Marianne also let me know if there's any Price is Right uh, viewers out there that Melissa Ordway, Abby, Daniel Goddard, Kane, <laughs> and Michelle Morgan Hillary will be on the Price is Right on March 26th to, to honor the soaps milestone. I'm kind of excited about that, and I absolutely am going to be tuning in for that. <laughs> I kind of like the Price is Right. I just think it's, I think Drew Carey is so charming, and I, and I just, I think it's a fun fun show so I'll be I'll be watching uh that and uh, for you know for a lot of reasons also because I'd really like to see Kane spin the wheel we had a short week but I'd like to think that we made the most of it <laughs> I certainly did. We only had three episodes, and so I spent my other two days of the week working on the website at yrchat.com. I have lots of changes that have gone on there. If you haven't been there lately, you should definitely go and check it out. First of all, it looks different. Uh, second, I've made the comments a lot more interactive. There's lots of little new features there uh, for the comment section itself. But probably most importantly, I have been I worked on this week incorporating a club membership uh, feature to the website where if you are a regular YNR chatter and you're interested, you can go to the website, apply for YNR chat club membership, and that will make all of your commenting easier. You won't have to log in and enter the CAPTCHA code every time you want to leave a comment. I know that drives you crazy, Gary. <laughs> having to enter like do a little math problem or the scribbly text it's not me it's it's a, it's a software plugin i don't i don't write it i'm not that tech savvy so if but if if you are someone who's a regular commenter i want to make it easier for you guys so you can sign up for the club and you can get a little bit of extra easy access to the commenting section it also has a feature where you can fill out a profile if you want to add a little um add a little bit about yourself. Tell us who you are, where you are. I got a little questionnaire on there. You can fill out some info about your YNR, uh, when you started watching, who's your favorite character, um, favorite storyline, stuff like that. Uh, if you want to fill out a profile and you can upload a photo if you like. So your little photo can appear next to your comment. If you're interested in doing that, just go to yrchat.com. There's a 
I have a post there that you'll see, but there's also right on the top menu bar, um, uh, there's a link for the club and you can register or log in or create your profile from there. I just am trying to make the website a little bit more interactive. Um, I want you guys to be able to communicate with each other. I've tried to, to go there and put little thoughts of mine throughout the week. I've tried to upload the caption photos a little bit more regularly, so it's not just something that updates on Sundays. I'm trying to check in there once a day, even if it's just to post a photo that I've managed to screen cap or just to say hi or a quick little quip or something as I'm watching the show. So I hope that you guys uh, would you know want to use it. I also put up a post where, a weekly post, where you guys can chat about the show while you're watching it. Or I think a lot of people watch at night. So maybe you've watched the episode and by seven, you got some things you want to say, go to yrchat.com and there's a post called Watch and Chat. So you're, you've watched, go ahead and chat. And I've been chiming in there too. Uh, I hope that you guys are enjoying it. And I just think the site looks really good. And I mean, for crying out loud, I've been here for 10 years <laughs> doing YNR chat. And I, I feel like I, 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 I've dropped the ball on actually like building up the website and making it a good, good place to be. But I think it's there now. I think it's really, really functioning well. And I think it looks pretty and it, it gives, it gives you a chance to talk to each other. And I would love to see some profile photos even if you know it doesn't it could be of your cat or something I don't care it doesn't have to be of you but just some something it's nice to be able to connect something to the names I mean I would love to see your faces uh, but it, it, it would just be great to see some other faces besides my own <laughs> oh okay so that's that. <laughs> I think we've had a good week, and I'm ready to get back to five episodes. YNR, I don't like it when you take breaks. I understand and I deal with it, but I'm jonesing by the weekend. I'm ready for myself. <laughs> and we're going to get it tomorrow. So everybody, have a really good week, and get into that Monday show with, with just some excitement, because it's back. It's coming back. <laughs> okay, I love you guys. I'll see you next time. YRChat.com. I'll talk to you there too. Okay, bye.